Amen. Thank you, choir. Will you stand together with us as we join our songs in worship today? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let's sing it together. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed through His infinite mercy His child and forever I am Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Dark clouds of doubt, now my pathway obscure. 
this time we have another opportunity to worship. We've sung his praises this morning. And now we give back a part of what he has so graciously and abundantly given to us. Let's pray. Father, for the day we're grateful for what you're going to do. We're excited. We stand in anticipation. Lord, we have sung your praises today, and I pray that you have found honor in our offerings of worship. And now we continue to worship you by giving back out of all that you have blessed us with. Lord, it is, it is a command that we do this, but it is a blessing and a privilege to give back to one who has loved us so thoroughly and so well. Lord, I pray that you would find honor also in this time of giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before I announce our singers today, I want to make you, the church family aware of something. You know, sometimes you come to church to lead worship and you know that your job is to connect the hearts of people with the hearts of the Almighty. And you pray every week that that happens, but sometimes, sometimes the worship leader needs to be led. And today that has happened for me. Do you know what arena just played? There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. Arena has just found out in the last day that her brother who had been sick in Ukraine passed away in March. And they had to go through the Red Cross to find that out. And this morning when she came in, she told us of this. And to just listen to the, her talent poured out before the Lord was a healing balm to my soul. And I want you to know that. Arena, we love you. And if there's anything we can do for you, we stand ready to do that. Near to the heart of God. Well, today has been a day by design. We've sung a lot of great old hymns of the faith. And we have our favorite Southern Gospel group going to come and share with us. Disciple 5, why don't you put your hands together and welcome them as they come. To John he was a glimpse of glory where he reigned. He was, he was the greatest gift to me. He, he, he is salvation's plan so rich and free. To me, 
that man who saved my soul. To us, he is a story to be told. And to all, he is the beginning and the end. And to God, oh, he is that son that died. For all of our sins, he was, he was the greatest gift to me. He, he, he is salvation's plan, so rich and free. this already up again, Ryan. Man, can you just show your appreciation again for Disciple 5? Amen. Such a good job. Amen. Amen. I know I'm jumping the gun. Hey, while you're standing, I want you to turn around, greet someone, let somebody know that you're glad to see them here at Poplar Springs today. Do that. Amen. Amen. Oh, sounds good and it looks good. I like it. Amen. How are you, sister? Good to see you. If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me in Titus chapter 3. I hope you've prayed much for uh, our time together in the Word. So grateful for our time of Bible study earlier today and uh, for uh, just our time of worship through music today. It's just been absolutely sweet and wonderful. I think about a lot of the old hymns of the faith and for Disciple 5 to lead us. Sam, did you write that song? Well, amen, amen. That's awesome. That, that's, that's awesome. And uh, it's just a, great, uh, just a great message, and I so appreciate that today. And just a, just a reminder that God was, that God is, and that he will always be. Amen? Amen. And uh, that is such a wonderful thought. Well, today I'm going to preach a message that, um, honestly, I, I've been very excited about preaching. And uh, we're going to talk about how do you deal with difficult people, all right? 
And it, now, now, where I'm going may not be what you're thinking right now, all right? And, uh, but we're going to, you know, this world, God, God created this world, amen? And this world is full of all kinds of things. I mean, if I, I, I'm not the most scientific buff in the world, but I do like to read every now and then. And I know that this world is, is full of protons. This world is full of electrons. This world is full of neutrons. But the world is also full of morons, all right? And that is not so much a joke as it is a biblical truth. I'm going to show you that in the text this morning, all right? Believe it or not, I'm going to show you that in the text. So let's read uh, Titus chapter 3, and I'm going to, listen, just for the sake of tying things together, I'm going to back up to verse 4, all right, and then I'm going to read following. We're not going to go back and look at the, those verses necessarily, but I want, I want you to feel the context, okay? But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When He poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. For a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I have been reminded this morning in my own quiet time that, God, you have called me to be a workman who will rightly divide the word of truth. And Jesus, I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit even now to take over my heart, my mind, my voice, my thoughts, and God, I pray that the only thing that would be communicated would be the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would show us what a healthy church looks like from this text today. But God, I also pray that you would show us things that are unhealthy and useless in kingdom life. God, I pray that even today that as we hear your word, that God, we would be drawn to that which is profitable and that we would remove ourselves from anything that will not profit the gospel and the kingdom advance of the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, you come and you take over 
And Lord, for whatever you do today, we will give you glory and honor and praise for it all. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, I, I think all of us at times, if you've been in church life at all, you probably, have, you probably know somebody who has been difficult. If you've ever known a difficult person, raise your hand. If you're sitting beside that difficult person, keep your hand. I'm just kidding, all right? I mean, you can find difficult people in your family. You can find difficult people at work. Uh, I'm reminded of an old, uh, uh, I, I love the peanuts, right? Peanuts, Charlie Brown peanuts. And there was an old cartoon piece that Schultz did uh, several, many, many years ago when Linus is talking to Lucy. And in their discussion, he just looks at her and says, you don't love mankind. To which Lucy responded, I do too love mankind. It's people I can't stand. So at times we, we know what it is to, to cross the path of a difficult person. Uh, maybe that's someone that you work with. Maybe it's somebody that you know somewhere. And um, years ago, my daughter was in public education. And uh, she's still involved, but in a different level. But she used to be in the classroom. And I discovered one day, not just talking to her, but some other educators, they gave me three reasons why they were still in public education. June, July, and August, all right? So some of you, some of you know exactly what that feels like. It, it, so wherever you look, you're going to have difficulties with people, right? And guess what? The Bible even makes it pretty clear that that can even happen in a church. Matter of fact, that's the text that we read today. That here is Paul writing to his protege, his mentee, Titus, and he has called him and, 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 and poured into him, discipled him of what it means to be an elder, a pastor, a leader of a congregation. And here's some things in Crete that aren't right, but he's been called and sent by God there to make those things right. And one of those things is dealing with difficult people inside the church. And what, what do you do with that? Well, we're going to look at some of that today. And so we, we want to develop the ability supernaturally, spiritually, that we can discern right from wrong. And that we ourselves know how to do what God would have us do so that the quality of our spiritual life will not be impacted negatively. Now, I don't know if you caught the contrast, but there's a contrast between verses 8 and verse 9. Verse 8 says, do what is profitable. Verse 9 says, to abstain from anything that is unprofitable. Now, let me just tell you, if you want to be a good student of the Bible, anytime you see a contrast in the text, that's something to spend some time with. Okay, so, so, so if I put all the cookies on the bottom shelf, here's the contrast. Profitable versus what is unprofitable. And, and, and the apostle just clearly, boldly declared, spend time, give your life to, anchor in, invest, engage, lead 
out in what is profitable, but shun what is not profitable. The word shun there means to, to move around. I watched my dad when I was a kid. We all had chores. My sister and I, we had chores, different things, and we always had a garden. Every, every year we would have a garden, and, and dad would kind of, you know, he would say things like this. Next year I'm not going to have such a big old garden, and it would be bigger the next year, right? And so he would take more space, and the garden would get bigger. And, and I remember one time, he, my, my job, part, one of my jobs was I was behind the tiller. Okay, I'm behind the tiller. And, and he reprimanded me because I was getting ready to hit a stump. Now, he knew where the stump was. I didn't know where the stump was, but he knew where the stump was. And he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't know there was a stump there. And so he said, you just kind of go around it. I said, well, what do you do with it? Well, you just keep going around it, Right? You go around the stump, and the next year you go around the stump, and the next year you go around the stump, and finally the stump rots, and you just take your foot and you kick it over. That is the imagery in the text. The idea is to avoid, to shun, to maneuver around anything that is unprofitable for the gospel. Anything that is unprofitable, you could use the word useless, but it's, it presents things that are spiritually unhealthy. Point number one I want you to see today is this. Grace enables you to be discerning. So when we think about truth and truth matters, God gives us grace and we know that we're saved by grace. And that same grace God uses to teach us how to be more discerning. And so in the context of people, he says this. Look again at verse 9. We're just going to walk through this. But avoid foolish controversies. The word foolish there in the Greek is the word moros, which we get our English word moron from. So there it is. There's the answer to that first question, all right? And so, so he says, don't, it, it is crazy. You our English vernacular, we could just, we could use the word, we don't use that word moron very much, but we would say what? Stupid. Right? We just say this is stupid things. So here's what he's saying. Avoid, shun, turn your face away from stupid things. Have you ever been around somebody who loves to debate things that have no biblical basis whatsoever? It's, it's all based on speculation. And he, unfortunately, what happens, these things tend to produce a lot of heat, and it gets debated. And that's the very thing Paul is saying. When you meet somebody, and they want to talk about things that do not advance the gospel, and they're so passionate about it, whether you, you oh, let, me just keep, let me just say, well, Ken, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me give you a couple real quick, mask or no mask. has no biblical basis whatsoever, and I saw churches divide a couple of years ago on whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask. Vaccine or no vaccine? Lord, I am hitting a stump today, baby. I am going to plow and kick this thing over, all right? So y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There are a lot of things that come up in church life that have nothing to do with church life. They do not advance the gospel. And the Bible would say those are foolish things. In chapter 1, verse 14, 
He said, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turned from the truth. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. If the Bible is not clear on a subject, keep your mouth shut. That's pretty blunt, wasn't it? Let me, let me say it in a better way that sounds nice. If the Bible doesn't speak about it, neither should you. Don't say more than what the Bible says. You with me? Well, here we go. Ephesians 4.3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so the good news is the fact he gave us the, the good news in verse 5, how that Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died. We've been washed and regenerated. We've been renewed by the Holy Spirit through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was all of grace. Aren't you glad the ground is level at the foot of the cross? We all got saved the same way. It was the Jesus way. He washed our sins away, but the problem is some of our opinions stick. And sometimes we have discussions on these non-saving, secondary, non-doctrinal controversies. And over the years, they've been packaged and repackaged and given a different name. But at the end of the day, it is still useless. It is still profitless. It is stupid stuff. So remember, the backdrop in Crete was this. you got Jewish leaders in the church who were telling the Gentile believers, if you really want to know God and you really want to know for sure that you're saved, you have to obey the Jewish laws. And in chapter 1, we know that one of those things was to be circumcised because the Bible clearly says it was the circumcision party. And so we know that kind of conversation was not helping to advance the church. Sometimes you know, I'm tempted to believe that the church is in a state of defeat, but the truth is the church is not defeated. The truth is the church can become distracted. And instead of making the main thing the main thing, we get all twisted and tied over things that do not advance the gospel, and the message doesn't save anybody from hell. And Paul says, avoid those kind of foolish controversies. Number two, he talks about genealogies, a family history. Genealogy is very important today. Uh, Ancestry.com. Some of y'all probably have gone there. I've wanted to, but I've been scared to death to find out. I'm not kidding. What little I already know about my family history, I don't know that I want to know anymore. Someone said, are you afraid, you know, are you afraid of, you know, finding out all these, cra well, I won't even go into that. I, hmm. You know, that, that, that particular company is one of the largest for-profit companies in America. This thing's global. It's worldwide. They're making billions of dollars. To the Jewish community, their ancestry was pretty important. And that culture, that family history determined status. 
It determined dominance. It determined positions of authority. And here was the problem. That mindset was now creeping into the church. And Paul was saying, you you have to shun that. You cannot be be driven by your genealogy. You need to be driven by grace. It is that God saved you. That's what's important. I, I remember most of my time as a pastor, the last 25 years of my life as a, as a pastor, you know, an elder in a church, I, I've heard all kinds of things. I've had people want to make a statement, well, I've been in this church for so many years, and they fill in the blank, right? My daddy gave me this land, and okay, really, really good. Matter of fact, Pat, I don't know if you remember this, but in the very first church, I had this sweet, sweet, sweet senior adult lady walk up to me one day, and she said, and I quote, I was here when you got here, and I'll be here when you leave. <laughs> now, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't respond to that. I just looked at her and nodded my head. But, but inside my brain, I was thinking, yep, and you will be here after Jesus comes and raptures the church. <laughs> but I kept it to myself, all right? Just kept it to myself. The only genealogy that matters is the one that revealed Jesus. The only family history that matters is the family history that we are related to God by spiritual birth and the blood of Jesus Christ. The only family tree that makes a difference is his family tree. Anybody else that wants to pull that, the Bible says you avoid them like the plague. Amen. goes right there. Amen. Thank you very much, all right? It's getting quiet. Then he goes on and talks about this. But avoids foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions. Another word for dissension could be strife or a contention. He says avoid these things. This this word may, may help us understand that something was already going on inside the church at Crete. You see, some things are preventative and some things are corrective. And and, and this portion, I think, could have been one of those corrective measures. I think something was already going on. And so here was a self-centered person kind of leading a charge. They had made an accusation, and they had went behind everybody's back and started doing this right here. Y'all know what I mean when I do this, right? Telephone, telegraph, or telebaptist, right? Just, just watch, watch it. Here it goes. Here it goes, right? And they start having these little meetings at somebody's house. So they have a little meeting, you know, at the church in a little special place. And all of a sudden, you got sides that are taken and positions that nobody wants to cross. That is a clear evidence of strife. When personality conflicts take more importance than the gospel, that is an evidence of strife. When, when, you, when, when, when those kind of thoughts dominate your mind and your conversations, that is an evidence of strife. When rumor and emotion mean more to you than the scriptures, that is an evidence of strife. 
Proverbs 6, 19, listen to what the Bible says. Six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination unto him. And I quote, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. You are no more like the devil than when you do that. And Paul says, avoid it. It is unprofitable. It is useless. It is worthless. But avoid foolish con uh, controversies and genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. The word, the word there could also be translated disputes. Don't have disputes about the law. Remember, they were saying this. If you really want to be a Christian, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to eat a kosher diet. You with me? You've you got to go through the Jewish laws and commands if you really want to be a real Christian. Thank God for Acts 15. It's this thing we call the Jerusalem Council, and here was the, the same thing was happening then, and these men of God got together and a decision that was rooted in grace and not rooted in genealogy or anything else. And, and they said, you know, you've got to stop teaching because it's error. You're not saved because of what you do. You're saved because of what Jesus did. Now, you would think that would settle it, right? I mean, that happened a lot earlier than what happened in Crete. But the truth is, it didn't eradicate it. It was still an issue. Years ago, I heard about two seminary students who were in a class, and they got in a heated debate over the doctrine of salvation, and their voices became louder, and their faces became redder, and all of a sudden, a, a fight broke out between those two self-righteous students. Y'all like field trips? I could take you on some field trips today. And we would go to church after church after church filled with self-righteous people who wanted to be right more than righteous. You know what God says? God says you avoid, you shun those kind of things. Why? Because nobody wins. I was in, a, I was in my office one day. Not, not here. Let me make that clear. Not here. I, I was in my office one day. Matter of fact, it happened in North Carolina. So how about that? Different state. And there was an issue going on, and this guy came, and boy, he was hopping mad. And I remember looking at him, and I just simply asked him a question that absolutely, I'm telling you, I sent him into orbit with this question I just said it sounds like you're more concerned about being Baptist than you are about being biblical to which he said you're right let me just tell you something church you're never going to win an argument with a self-righteous person save yourself some frustration Save yourself some energy. Save yourself some sleepless nights. Save yourself from getting in the middle of stuff that is not worth speaking about.
You shun it. You turn away from it. That's what the Bible says. So grace helps you discern what is profitable and not profitable. But number two, grace enables you to be unified. So there's a way, when these things come up, there's a way to deal with it in such a way that the church can be unified. It doesn't have to fracture. It doesn't have to be broken from the inside or out. Say, wouldn't you love to know the answer how that happens? Okay, one person said yes, that's all I needed. Well, here's how it happens. Look at verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once. So the first thing you do is you go to him and you warn them. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Anybody ever read Matthew chapter 18? Jesus helps us understand if there's a disagreement, if there's something going on in the body, what do you do with that? Matthew 18 says, you go to that person. You don't go to your Sunday school class. You don't go to Facebook. You don't go to social media. And you don't even go to the preacher. Now, you can go to Scott, but don't come to me. I ain't got time for it. By the way, that's what, but everybody does what I just said not to do. They take it to social media, they get on their cell phone, and they start talking to other people. You are sinning before God when you do that. Because the Bible says you go to that person. Well, what happens if, if, what, what if nothing good comes from that? Great question. Matthew 18, and this text says you take somebody and you go again. Because the goal, is, the, the, the goal is to recover. The goal is forgiveness. The goal is to reconcile, right? I mean, that's the goal. So well, what happens if that doesn't work? This is so good. So how can the church stay unified? I want you to listen to this statement. A healthy church understands church discipline. If a church does not know anything about church discipline, that tells you that that church is not discipled very well. It, 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 to be honest, it's, it's more of a discipleship teaching issue than anything else. So if there's issues in the body, you go to that person. If they don't repent and we don't reconcile, we, we take someone with us. And if that doesn't work, we take that matter before the church. And church discipline is not just about expelling somebody out of the body. Although that's exactly what the Bible teaches to do. But the goal of it is what? Restoration. To restore. Biblical repentance. I can tell you that that is one of the hardest things to try to teach a church in the South. Southern churches have, a, and I can say it because I are one. I'm as redneck as redneck can be. And you may not believe that, but I promise you I am. I'm redneck to the bone. I will shoot Bambi in a heartbeat. I love NASCAR. Oh, my soul. 
People make fun of it. Laugh, laugh, laugh. I love it. I'm telling you right now, I love it. There's something unique in the southern church that you don't find in a lot of other places. And it's an attitude that says this. Oh, we can't say anything to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they might get offended and leave the church. Let me ask you a question. Do you all believe the Bible or not? Let's, well, I'll tell you what, let's put a funnel on it. Let's put a funnel on it. So, I, so I'm talking church life, but let's, 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 let's narrow the funnel a little bit. How about in your home? Do you believe what the Bible says about the home? Okay. Do you believe the Bible is right or wrong when the Bible says that a loving parent will discipline their child? Do you believe that's right? Do you believe that's a biblical stance? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Now, y- y'all really talked back to me on that one. Did, did, you, did you feel that, Pat? I mean, it was like a rush, wasn't it? I, I, I appreciate that. That was good. See, you can speak in church, and the wall is not going to cave in on you. You can say amen. You can raise your hand, and I wish some of you would, and it'll be okay. There ain't nothing wrong with praise the Lord and getting a little emotional about it. That's a sidebar, and it was a freebie. Oh, man, I didn't realize it was that late. Mm, mm, mm. So, so you believe that the Bible is right when it says that a loving parent disciplines their child. If that be true, then why is it not loving for a church to discipline an unruly church member? I would submit to you that the most loving thing a church can do in that situation is to exercise discipline. Because our heart is not just to get rid of a problem. Our heart, because Jesus has saved us, right? We've been reconciled to God. The goal of discipline is not expulsion. The goal is reconciliation where everybody is unified by the blood of Jesus. That's the goal. And I'm just telling you, there are so many churches, and maybe ours is one of them, that we've got a lot of scars because we just were disobedient. And did not do what the Bible says to do with an unruly member. Grace enables you to be discerning. Grace enables you to be unified. Last thing, and I'll close with this. As a matter of fact, I'll pick up this point in two weeks. Because next week is Sacrifice Sunday. And by the way, if you want to know what Sacrifice Sunday, what the offering will go to next week, I'm not going to tell you unless you come to the compass meeting tonight and that's a fact I'm not my lips are sealed you come tonight you'll find out and I'm going to talk about it all right hey please come tonight 615 if you care about the church and the direction of the church and what's God's doing and how we can be a part of it please come tonight we're going to eat together at 615 right 615 a fellowship meal we'll get together we're going to have a great time in the Lord and I want you to be there But grace enables you to focus on the mission. If I'm fighting with Pat, I cannot fight the devil. 
If, 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 if all my attention is right here and we have a disagreement and I want to win that argument, if that's all I'm thinking, I cannot advance the mission. And I'm going to just tell you real quickly, the goal of the mission is not to be right. The goal of the mission is the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Are you more concerned about lost people going to hell and the gospel? Are you more concerned about being right in your position? Well, brother. And that's the people that come up to me, instead of a Bible in their hand, they got the bylaws in their hand. Well, our bylaws say, I want to tell you something. I'm all for policy and procedure. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I think we should have policies. I think we should know why we do what we do. And there should be order in the church. But all of that is trumped when it comes to the Bible. So today, where are you in that? Where are you in that? If the Father were to give you a report card this morning, an evaluation, what would that evaluation say? That we give our time to that which is profitable or we give our time to that which is worthless and unprofitable? Is the gospel our mission or being right our mission? Are you more concerned with being right are you more concerned with being righteous? Because I'm telling you, where you land on that has a lot to say about the spiritual health and vitality of our body. So today the invitation is going to be a little different than usual. We're not going to sing. We're not going to play. Say, Ken, it's uncomfortable when nobody sings and when nobody plays. You're right. <laughs> I want to make this uncomfortable today. I don't want this to be easy for us. Would God say you're profitable or unprofitable? Would God say that you're an agent of his grace and an agent of unity? And that you're part of the mission? Or would God say, hey, if this church is going to get in where it needs to be, you got to get right. Matter of fact, somebody may need to get right with somebody that's in here today. Can I just tell you something really, really quick? The forgiveness of God will do what no pill and no doctor can do. I'm not saying that every person's sick has got sin, nor that every sinful person is going to get sick. I'm not saying that. But I am telling you, there is something to that. And so today, could it be that God just wants you to come and sit at his feet and get close to him? And could it be that you are going to sit at Jesus' feet long enough to know that you are forgiven and you're going to stay there till he teaches you how to forgive and it could be that you have got to exercise forgiveness somebody in your family somebody at work 
it could be somebody right here in this service. I, 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 I could tell you stories, y'all. Did you know there's a church in Tennessee called Left Foot Baptist Church? The reason it's called Left Foot Baptist Church is they are a part of a group of Baptists who believe that foot washing is an ordinance just like baptism or communion. And that's what they believe. So in that church, they practice foot washing every single week. And there came a tremendous controversy inside the church. There was strife and division and debates and arguments over which foot do you wash first? And they couldn't, they, there was an impasse and they couldn't get over it. And so one group left and started their own church. And it was called Left Foot Baptist Church. I'm going to tell you, that is a shame and a disgrace to the gospel. And if we, listen, we may not do something that stupid. And that stupid. Matter of fact, in the South, if something's really stupid, we say stupid. That's just stupid. But if you got any angst in your heart, or you want to leave this building in the next five minutes and go home and get on your horn and you start something, I want you to understand that is just as disgraceful and sinful as the folks that started a church just over which foot got washed first. I don't have time to play games, and guess what? Neither do you. I'm going to show you in two weeks. The reason we don't have time is God is putting a harvest field right around this church. And we've got to make a decision. Are we going to plant and sow the seed of the gospel and reap a harvest? Or are we just going to keep playing these stupid church games and feel good about ourselves? We've got a decision to make. So, Lord, in the quietness of this moment, I'm asking you, Lord, to work. God, could it be that there's someone in this building today and the Spirit of God is, is just pouring himself into them? God, it could be that someone needs to be saved today. God, it could be that someone needs to join this church today. God, it could be that there's someone here today that understands they have just been a part of things that do not advance the gospel. And it's been very self-serving. And today, I pray, God, that they would just repent and lay that thing down. 
God, it could be that there needs to be some forgiveness even inside this body. God, maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to happen in the home. Maybe there's forgiveness that needs to happen at work or forgiveness that needs to happen at school. Or, or God, maybe forgiveness that needs to happen with a neighbor. God, there, there's so many ways to look at that. But, but specifically today, God, we're talking about the church and church life. We're talking about this body called Popular Springs. God, would you show us any sin? And God, may we go to the cross to be forgiven and linger there till we know how to forgive. And God, that there would be no controversies or dissensions or contentions in our body. But God, that we would be about the mission, the gospel. So, Lord, I'm asking you to move. While it's just quiet, you can build an altar right there where you're sitting, or you can step out and come and kneel around this altar. Some may move and no one may move. I have no idea what the Lord's going to do with this. But in these next few moments, I'm asking you to personally do business with Jesus. And in just a moment, I'll, I'll dismiss us. Lord, I pray that as we leave this gathering today, God, we would truly leave with a sense of burden. That God, this matters. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would choose you. We would choose the gospel, we would choose to give our life to what is profitable so that we don't waste our life. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. I love you, church. God bless you. You are dismissed.